You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. We've been looking at uh, Acts. Last week we looked at the first seven verses, eight verses of, uh, of Acts chapter six. We're going to continue today and we're going to look at Stephen and uh, it's interesting that when the church was, was started and the Holy Spirit was moving and there were all sorts of wonderful, wonderful things taking place, people getting healed, people coming into forgiveness uh, through the blood of Christ and all the wonderful things that were happening, there was always problems. You know, and we see that uh, the apostles are imprisoned, they're on trial, they get beaten, they, they go out, they count themselves blessed to suffer for the name of the Lord Jesus. And, and, and the church just keeps growing. And it says, and the number of people who followed Jesus continued to increase. Now, Jesus is in heaven, but his, he's manifested on the earth through his bride. And the apostles are preaching and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. It's being heard, it's being received, and it's having an impact. And the key word is increase. It just keeps increasing time after time after time. So when the religious leaders are bringing in the pressure, you know, it, they can't squelch it. It continues to grow. It continues to move out. And then they have a problem that we looked at last week and at the early part of chapter six, an internal problem, just a logistics problem. There was, a, there was some discrepancy about how the widows were being served in the daily distribution. Looked like there was some favoritism showing. It was probably the Purdue fans versus the IU fans. And so there was some real prejudice that was taking place at the time. And so they, they were getting preferential treatment for probably this week, Purdue. Yay, Purdue. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, we won't talk about their record. But <clears throat> there, there we have that in honor of Becca Nortrip's wedding. Uh, I'll, I'll be for Purdue this week. And as, as we go through, uh, go through that, they resolve that. They raise up godly men, who seven of them who are now in charge of the responsibility of the food distribution. And we looked at that in light of our own food distribution that's happening and that we're getting ready to offer two distributions a month that's getting ready to start here in November. And so it's going to be real quick. And now we find that one of the, the new leaders, just fresh, brought into leadership, Stephen. We get now pressure from the outside of the church, not the religious community, not the internal strife of the internal workings of the church, but now from those from the outside. And let's look at that. <clears throat> Verse seven. I got to go back and repeat verse seven because it's just too good not to, to review. Oh my God. God's word reigned supreme and kept spreading. <clears throat> the number of Jesus' followers in Jerusalem quickly grew and increased by the day. Even a great number of Jewish priests became believers and were obedient to the faith. Stephen, who was a man full of grace and supernatural power, performed many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. This upset some of the men belonging to a sect called, who called themselves the Men Set Free, the synagogue of the freemen in your other translations. But I kind of like this, the Men Set Free. 
Yeah, we'll talk about them in a second. They were Libyans, Egyptians, and Turks. They all confronted Stephen to argue with him. But the Holy Spirit gave Stephen remarkable wisdom to answer them. His words were prompted by the Holy Spirit, and they could not refute what he said. So the men set free, conspired in secret, to find those who would bring false accusations against Stephen and lie about him by saying, we heard this man speak blasphemy against Moses and God. The men set free agitated the crowd, the elders and the religious scholars, then seized Stephen and forcefully took him before the Supreme Council. One after another, false witnesses stepped forward and accused Stephen saying, this man never stops denigrating our temple and our Jewish law. For we have heard him teach that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the traditions and customs that Moses handed down to us. Every member of the Supreme Council focused his gaze on Stephen for right in front of their eyes while being falsely accused, his face glowed as though he had the face of an angel. Whoa. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for those that have walked with you <laughs> centuries before we came to even know about you. We thank you for this record and this testimony from Stephen's life. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We want to hear your heart, Father. We want to know your plans, Lord Jesus. We want to be obedient and participate in the fullness of your kingdom. And so breathe upon us today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Thine almighty. Amen. Stephen was a man. <clears throat> he sure was. That's where we're going to start. He was a man. He wasn't a super saint. He was a man. But he was a, he was a man who was full of grace. I love that. Karis, he was full of the grace, the joy, the love, the presence, the favor of God. He, and supernatural power. This was a powerful man. He performed many astonishing signs and wonders and mighty miracles among the people. Now I love that qualifier, the little adjective, mighty miracles. I think all miracles are pretty mighty. But these were mighty miracles, um, mighty miracles. I, I think it was more than just helping a headache go away. Uh, mighty miracles are mighty. And here we have it. I think what, one of the things that we need to note in the scriptures here as, as we're first getting started is one, Stephen was not an apostle. You know, the church gets all bent out of shape over who can perform miracles and who can't. Who can walk in the supernatural? Who can flow in the Holy Spirit? Is it just the apostles, just the disciples with Jesus? No, it's for all of us. And Stephen is an example of one who was faithful. He came in, he submitted, he served. And as a result, he grew. He grew in his intimacy with God, with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as a result of that, he was known as a man who had wisdom. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to see here in a minute, it, it manifested in his encounters with hostile people. But he had power. Sure does. One of the things we need to hear today from the word is that the power of God is still available for us today. 
as we were, as I was ministering after worship, it was just like, <clears throat> I could hear the enemy mock us and say, oh yeah, you still have that physical condition that hasn't been healed. And how many times have you been prayed for? How many times have you asked God to do that? And it's just like, man, the whisper of the evil one that's constantly there introducing anything that would sabotage faith and belief. He hates our connection and closeness with God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so he will bring every argument, every source of friction, every source of disappointment, everything that is unmet. When you look at the glorious kingdom of God and you look at your life and you say, hmm, they don't quite line up. And the enemy tries to get us to buy in that this is as good as it gets until we get to heaven. And I say, no, no. We can't believe that lie. You can believe that lie and it will be your reality. It will be your reality. Because it takes faith, it takes belief, it takes trust to move in greater and greater intimacy. I think one of the things that the enemy used against me for so long about really spending prolonged time in the presence of the Lord was that if I took the effort and I set the time aside and I intentionally came into the presence of the Lord, what if I was disappointed and he didn't show up? You know, what happens if, if, I, if, I, if I'm there for two hours waiting on the Lord and I fall asleep and he doesn't show up. What, what am I gonna do? Right as soon as you do fall asleep and anybody fall, falling asleep while you're waiting on the Lord? Anybody done that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a t-shirt, I should say. My best sleep comes when I wait on the Lord. <laughs> and, you know, as you wait on the Lord, sometimes you fall asleep. What happens when you wake up? Do you panic? <gasps> Oh Lord, I'm so sorry. I, I, I was waiting on you and I fell asleep. Oh. You know, it's kind of like, we probably wouldn't do that with the president of the United States. You know, if, if we were there, we probably wouldn't fall asleep on him. Now, some of you fall asleep regularly on me. Don't worry. I'm secure in my identity. Get your rest. The living God is never worried. When, when we wake up, he says, oh, good. And oftentimes I hear him said, you needed that rest. And I wanted you to just rest in my presence. See, a lot of times we think that when we're waiting on the Lord, we have to be productive. The greatest productivity that happens in the presence of the Lord is just being in his presence. Your presence and his presence, you being fully present, whether or not you're able to perceive his presence or not. Because what do you know? He's everywhere. He's always present. His name is Emmanuel. God with us yes. all the time. He's always with us. So be encouraged with that. Not just apostles. The power, the signs, wonders, and mighty miracles are for all of us. You know what happens? This upsets some people. It upsets people in the church. If you believe in miracles, if you believe in healing, if you believe in the supernatural power of God, there's certain parts of the body of Christ that get really upset with that. 
but it was upsetting those outside. I thought that's interesting. The men, <laughs> the men set free. These are hedonists. These are pleasure seekers. They've been in every society, every civilization ever since. I mean, we've got them today. It, it's, the, it's the guys that are down at the gentleman club, as we call it, the gentleman's club, dancers. Yeah, they're, they're, at, they're at the strip clubs. These are, these are people that major on drunkenness and sensual sexual activity. We've never seen any men like that, have we? Oh, no. And, and we get the countries that they come from. They're, they're from these different countries. But, you know, they, they hit anyone who's got a masculine bone that hasn't understood how to steward their sex drive. You know, and these were, were people that were probably Hebrew slaves. And as they grew up, the, when, they, when they got free, they wanted to throw off every bit of restriction. It's kind of like what I see with some of the kids that are, born, that are born and raised in super legalistic, strict Christian homes and super legalistic, strict Christian churches. And, and within that, that when they break away and they say, I am tired of living this life of do's and don'ts, and they throw away the, their, their church, their background, and all this. When they, they just go absolutely wild. They're absolutely wild. These men prided themselves on being absolutely wild. They didn't want anything. They were really anti-nomianism. They were anti, they were lawless. They didn't want anything to control or in any way hinder their freedom. They thought freedom meant that I could do what I want anytime I want. They didn't understand that freedom is when we don't have to do the things that are trying to compel us to do them. When we get free in Christ, we don't have to follow the lust of the flesh. We can say no to those things. And you can be free from that. So this is what poor Stephen is up against. Don't you feel sorry for Stephen? This is not a fair fight. This is not a fair fight. They could take the whole group of the men set free and they were still going to get their clocks cleaned because it's not a fair fight when you have the Holy Spirit in you, with you, and speaking through you. So here they are. They're upset. They get there. They, they confront because they want to argue. They confront Stephen because they want to argue. And the word for argue there is they want to wrestle with him. They want to mix it up. <laughs> They're no match. Why? Here's Stephen. He's, <laughs> the Holy Spirit gave Stephen remarkable wisdom to answer him, answer them. Now, when you're in a tough situation, don't panic. You've got access to the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the wisdom that you need so that you can contend with whatever the situation is. Gigi has been spending days in her bedroom, changing, cleaning her blinds, her windows, curtains, going through her clothes. I've never seen anybody so meticulous in my life. She comes out in the hallway with one brand new shoe and she can't find the other shoe to it. 
Now, if you know anything about Gigi, she loses things on a regular basis. That's why we put special objects to find and locate where her car keys are. And so we have all these things. So I say, Gigi, this is an opportunity for you to go to school with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit knows exactly where your shoe is. So I ask the Holy Spirit where your shoe is and see if you don't find it. Well, she comes out this morning and gives me a testimony and says, you know, when I woke up, I knew right where to look. And she found her shoe. And it's like, okay. Now you might think that doesn't really matter, finding your shoe. But God cares about the little things just as much as he does the critical things, the big things. And he knows how to give you what you need when you need it. We just have to ask. We have to look to him. Lord, what is it that you have for me? And so the wisdom that Stephen had just confounded these guys. Because one, they don't want anybody to get the upper hand on them. They don't want anybody in any way to restrict their liberty and their freedom. Matter of fact, this sect was so wicked that even the pagan cults looked at the, the synagogue of the free men or the men set free as very wicked people. Hmm. So now he has his words prompted by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's given him the language with which to speak. Remember, Jesus told, told his disciples, he said, when you're brought before kings, don't worry, in that hour, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. So don't worry. Don't panic. Now, how many are too much of a control freak to really receive that word with joy? <laughs> you know, it's like, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I, I, I want to believe that I don't need to panic, but you know, if you would tell me what you're going to give me to say, and as long as I could have it, could I have it double spaced and uh, typed out so that I'll know what's gonna, I'd like to know what the questions are that they're gonna ask so that I'll really know that I'm prepared. And, and we like to, to go before, you know, sometimes the Lord to do that, he'll, he'll do that for us, especially when we're first getting started with listening to his voice and stepping out and speaking what he gives us to speak. But you know, there's a time when he says, I want you to go and say blank to this person. And that's all he gives you. Because until you move out and you step out and you say what he first gave, that usually makes no sense at all absolutely no sense at all. Then he gives you the rest. A lot of times I bargain with him, Lord, I know you want me to do this. Could you give me a heads up? Where are we going with this? <laughs> you know, after I say this, do I need to duck? <laughs> after I say this, you know, are you going to give me more? What, what's going to happen? I remember the testimony of Chris Vallotton. It just pops in. I think I need to share it. He's on an airplane and the Lord, uh, Lord tells him that he wants to, for him to give a word to this guy. This guy is up, big tattoo, big muscles, sleeveless, you know, uh, muscle shirt, all this kind of stuff, shaved head, tattoos, earrings, piercings. And he says, this is what the Lord gave him. And, and, he, and he said, Lord, you got to give me more than that. He says, I want you to go up to him and tell him he looks like a tough boy. He, he looks like a tough guy, but he's really a mama's boy. 
Now, how would you like to receive that word from the Lord to give to another person? And he says, Lord, is there going to be some more? Lord doesn't sell him anything. And so he, he knows, he, you know, when you're experienced, that's all you need to know. You just need to know that you, you've got an assignment. So he got up and he says, you know, you look like a tough guy, but you're really a mama's boy. And the guy looked at him, he said, yeah. And then the Lord gave him the rest of the word. And it says, you're, you're, he, he's in a rock and roll group. He says, your, your band is finishing your tour. And as you step out of this band, because the band was dismantling, he says, if you will seek the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. And the desire of your heart is for orphanages because you love children. And, that, and the guy just starts bawling. <laughs> Nothing like a tough guy. When you get the word of the Lord, you know, the men of the synagogue of Freeman, when you have a word from the Lord and, and you're speaking the words of the Holy Spirit, there's no response. The ones that want to kill you, they may kill you, but they can't contend with the love and the truth that comes out of your lips, that comes off of your lips from your heart, where you share the word of the Lord with them. So the, the free men, the, the set free men can't, can't get plan A, so they go to plan B. They conspire in secret. They get false accusations. They get people to lie. And this is the lie. We heard this man speak blasphemy against Moses and God. Okay. Now we got the lie out. Now you got to work the crowd. So now they're working the crowd. They're agitating the crowd, the elders, the religious scholars, the scribes. <clears throat> And then they seized Stephen and they forcefully took him before the Supreme Council. They wanted judgment. Does any of this sound familiar? Isn't this exactly what they did to Jesus? Man. One after another, false witnesses stepped forward and accused. This man never stops denigrating our temple and our Jewish law. There's, there's, he's speaking evil of the temple. For we have heard him teach that Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the traditions and customs that Moses handed down to us. And that's the indictment that they presented to the Sanhedrin. What do you do when people are falsely accusing you? How do you respond? We end with this verse. Every member of the Supreme Council every member, they focused their gaze on Stephen. They're all looking at him. Why? He's having a touch by an angel moment. Don't you love it when that little Australian lady gets the, the light beam that comes upon her? Mm, touched by an angel. It moves my heart every time. I start crying when I watch those episodes and all of a sudden the light beam shines on her and she starts speaking and it's like, that's the Lord. And it's just so amazing. I, 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 that's what happened. They're all looking right there in the front of their eyes as they're, they're getting all this malicious lies and gossip and false accusations are being said about Stephen. Stephen just stands there and his face glowed 
as though he had a face, had the face of an angel. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of response when you're under attack? When people are coming after you with both barrels and they've got murder in their heart and they want to see you suffer and they want to do harm to you and you are just speaking the words that the Holy Spirit gives with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and, you're just sing and you just rest in the presence of the Lord and his manifest presence comes upon your face. All of chapter 7 is, is Stephen's response. Leave that for you to look at and to enjoy that. He goes through the history of Abraham and, and all the, the patriarchs. And he gets all the way. The same thing that we find in the early part of every time the apostles preach or the gospel of Jesus is proclaimed, it always comes back to the fact that you crucified the Son of God. That we, just like all the rebellious religious leaders before, when it comes down to doing what God says, we resist and we do not obey. And they were so irate, they killed Stephen, they stoned him. This verse they beheld his face and he had the face of an angel. And then as they're killing him, you hear him whisper the same words that Jesus did. Father, don't hold this sin against them. Forgive them. I think that's, that's something that the Holy Spirit's wanting to take down deep into our hearts today that there is a response that we have in all our ordinary routine activities, responses, that, that betrays that we haven't really grasped the love of God down deep in our hearts. We don't know how wonderful he has absolutely forgiven because isn't that the hardest thing to do? And Lord, we forgive those who trespass against us, forgive us our trespasses, forgive us our sins, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who sin, debt, trespass against us. You know, it's, it's like, isn't that one of the things? I was, I was reading the devotional this week and it was just one of those crazy things that I just thought was so amazing. It says, uh, maybe the reason it seems hard for me to forgive others is that I do not fully believe that I'm a forgiven person. Hmm. If I could fully accept the truth that I am forgiven and I do not have to live in guilt or shame, I would really be free. My freedom would allow me to forgive others 70 times 70. 70 times seven times. By not forgiving, ooh, I chain myself to a desire to get even, thereby losing my freedom. A forgiven person forgives. This is what we proclaim when we pray and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This lifelong struggle lies at the heart of the Christian life. Now, if you're having difficulty forgiving someone, no condemnation. This is, this, this is a struggle that we all go through. But we know from the model of Jesus and from those that are in the scripture 
that the full manifestation of, of his mature love and his intimacy and his life living in and through us is that we get a supernatural ability to forgive. We're able to forgive the unforgivable. We can forgive things that uh, is just not humanly possible to forgive. So I, as I was preparing this and, and realizing the enemy is gonna to try to make people think that what they're hearing today is that they're a terrible person because they haven't forgiven. No, wherever you are in whatever situation that you are, we go to the wonderful teaching of Mike Robertson again. If you are not able to forgive, the question comes to you, are you willing to forgive? Because forgiveness is an act of the will. And if you're not willing to forgive, then the next question comes to you. We take another step back. Are you willing to be willing to forgive? Because it's an act of the will. The only way that you'll ever be able to supernaturally forgive someone is to, in your will, say, Lord, I want to be willing to forgive. And there's some of us that can't do it at that point. And I love how Mike just demonstrated that for us so many times. You take another step back. Are you willing to be willing to be willing to forgive? And you remember his teaching, it just keeps going back all the way until you find the place where you finally say, Lord, I'm willing to be willing to be willing. And from there you can start moving forward to just be willing to be willing to forgive. Do not let the enemy bring one ounce of condemnation on anyone here because you have an issue or a person that is hard for you to forgive. But do not sweep that under the rug and pretend like that's not important. That is important because we are forgiven based on how we forgive. I don't know about you, but I want all my sins forgiven. I don't want just the really little easy ones. I want the really difficult ones. You know, we need to, to realize that forgiveness is part of the supernatural reality of the Holy Spirit living in us. As Stephen was able to model, and not as an apostle, but as an ordinary believer who had spiritual responsibilities that had the Holy Spirit functioning, was moving in wisdom and great power, mighty miracles, he was able to forgive those who were murdering him in the moment that they were killing him. Lord, we just invite you to come and to work into our hearts today. We pray for a grace that would go to those areas, some that we gloss over and we try to hide, we try to contain, and, and we, we don't want to look at them. But Lord, you, you, give us, you give us therapists, you give us counselors, you give us friends, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ that help us on the path of forgiveness. And we thank you for those. But today, Lord, we want to be willing to be willing to forgive everyone of everything. We want to be willing to forgive those who are going to offend us tomorrow. We want to be willing to forgive those in our family that are going to offend us royally at Thanksgiving. <laughs> we want the ability to forgive, Lord, oh, as only you can, as, as you can give it. And give us the grace to steward well 
your presence. As we steward your presence, may we find increase, increase in every domain of intimate fellowship with you. And for this, we give you praise. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.